0: Thankful for that today. Hebrews chapter number 12, and we're going to continue this morning. We're going to speak about holiness, and whenever I say that, there is a lot of things that come to people's mind. And first and foremost, what comes to people's mind is I'm going to start talking about uh, our appearance. But I'm not even probably going to talk about that today. That's next week. Amen. That's next week. But uh, we are holiness isn't just that, but that's part of it. Okay, and I think, I think it's good to talk about other things. And again, and I want to preface this this morning by saying um, whenever we, we talk about things like this, and I know there's people at various, various levels whenever they come to a church building, uh, just like you, you, we have various ages here, we have various people aged in the spiritual things here. There could be newborn babes. There could be elders in the spirit that are here. If you ever considered, you might be an elder in the spirit this morning and be young. But uh, we have elders that are here. And so with that, the Bible even tells us that not every one of us, not every one of us use milk. But those of us, the scripture tells us that those that do use, use milk are unskillful in the word of righteousness. Now, that's not an that's not a, a, a insult. That's just an apparent thing concerning our maturity is at such a level that we can't, as I said last week, digest for all these things for we're still yet a babe or a new convert. But it speaks to us that strong meat. Bible says that strong meat belongs to those that are full age. In other words, that are more mature. So again, if you're, you're not able to, you don't have no back molars in the spirit to put this on and, and crunch it up, don't worry about it. You're going to get some teeth and you're going to be able to and it will be necessary and essential for you at that stage of your life to do that. And so I, I want to set hearts and minds at ease, but at the same time still make you accountable for what you're hearing, amen, this morning. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 14, the Bible states these words, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the the Lord and that is our subject matter for the next little while uh, holiness this morning let's go to the Lord in prayer will you with me let's ask God to touch our hearts and minds maybe give us some enlightenment today Lord I come to you this morning I'm thankful God Lord Jesus for your spirit I'm thankful God that you are able Lord to do whatever you would desire Lord or designed to do I pray God today speak to us Lord through your word and by your word help us today God grant us understanding I pray oh Lord Jesus perhaps Lord bring in light God made it each and every one of us Lord through some facet or fashion God whereby our lives God can be enriched by the word of God I know you're going to help us today Lord and I just depend upon you Lord in that in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen Amen, you may be seated this morning in the lovely name of the Lord, holiness. The the New International Version uh, renders that same verse like this. Make an effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness, no one will see the Lord. There's something throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and that is the Bible had holy people, holy places, and holy things. Terminology was used for that, that it wasn't just people that were holy, but there were places and things that were as well distinguished as being holy. Many times those people or those places or things were holy because they had been anointed for such a purpose or anointed for such a reason. Uh, People who were anointed were holy people. Places that were anointed or visited by the presence of God were known as holy holy places Uh, anything that seemed like that was anointed and we'll get into this a little later that that holy anointing oil was used upon were called holy because whenever God's spirit touched them or that holy anointing oil touched them it was setting that thing or that person or that place setting them apart unto God for God's peculiar in particular, use and purpose. They were set apart for God's purpose. So there's, there's nothing negative. I know sometimes uh, people may view the eye or the idea, their concept of holiness as that, but there's nothing, there's nothing negative about holiness. There's nothing negative about being called a holiness church. Amen. Nothing negative about being called a holiness church because from my understanding in the Scripture and God's Word, in essence, that just means I'm a set-apart church. I'm a church that is set apart for God's purpose and God's use for whatever He designs and desires and wants. So I don't take that negatively. I don't take that as an insult. I take that as a privilege, as a badge I want to wear on my lapel that I'm set apart for the Master's use and the Master's glory. Even the Old Testament, uh, whenever Moses constructed the tabernacle that was in the wilderness, uh, you'll remember you had that outer court and then there was the holy place and then there was the most holy place or the holiest of holy. They had those two sections, the holy place and the holiest of holy. And God had commanded Moses to anoint these particular places and the things inside of these places because they would be set apart for the use and the purpose of the Lord. He told him that every instrument in the tabernacle was to be anointed and thus by them being anointed they were holy everything the altar the laver uh the table of shoe bread uh the candlestick the altar of incense everything he says i want you anointed because this is just not going to be just any altar this is going to be an altar for my purpose and my use because there were a lot of altars in that day we'll agree with that there were altars in high places altars in uh, various places he says but this altar is a holy altar This is a distinguished altar. It's an altar that's going to be used for my purpose. And so whenever we have that type of endorsement upon our life, God's saying that this just isn't any people. This is a holy people. He even speaks to us in the New Testament Scripture that we are a peculiar people. Why? Because we're set apart for the master's use and for his purpose. In Exodus chapter 30 this morning, Exodus 30 and verse number 25, the Bible states these words, and this is uh, the accounting of God speaking unto Moses. And he says, And thou shalt make it an oil of holy ointment, an ointment compound after the art of the apothecary. It shall be a holy anointing oil. And thou shalt anoint the tabernacle of the congregation therewith and the ark of the testimony and the table and all his vessels and the candlestick and his vessels and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all of his vessels and the laver in his foot. And thou shalt sanctify, which basically means set apart them that they may be most holy. Whatsoever touches them shall be Holy, everything anointed was holy and set apart for God. So we understand there were things that were holy, things that were holy, but there were holy people as well, those that were going to function in the tabernacle in the wilderness. Aaron and his sons, they were taken and they were anointed by the same holy anointing oil, and they were considered to be holy priests unto the Lord, holy people unto the Lord. Continuing with verse number 30 of Exodus 30, the Bible says, and thou shalt anoint, the anointing then specified or designated the holiness of it, Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may be minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, this shall be a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generation." Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured? neither shall ye make any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy. It shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth anything like it or whosoever puteth anything of it upon a stranger shall even be cut off from his people. Speaking of the holy anointing oil, it had the composition, the ingredients that was given by God there was not to be another, another oil just like it with the same ingredients or same composition because why? It was set apart for the purpose of the Lord. It was considered holy. And whoever it touched, whatever it touched, became holy as well. All right? And so we got to understand some just basic definitions, if you will, of holiness. And there's one thing that we need to get in our minds that I kind of set a little premise for from the beginning today holiness is not just standards all right holiness is just not standards and standards are not just holiness but standards are the result of holiness standards are the result of being set apart by the Lord Uh, holiness is more than just a set of rules and a set of regulations that we live by. It's more than a dress code. Holiness is more than a dress code. It's more than a code of conduct. It's more than a behavior. Amen. But once we get the true understanding of holiness, uh, we will uh, have come to fruition in our life standards. And we will have come to fruition in our life a code of conduct and behavior that is derived from that. We are set apart for God's use, God's purpose, and God's plan. And so when you get the influence of God in your life, it is absolutely going to make some type of changes in some of those peripheral or external things of your life. The basic definition of holiness, amen, according to dictionaries, is this, withdrawn from common use and separated unto God. You're not common today. Now, I know on, on some planes we might say, well, we're just common people. But whenever God put his fingerprint upon you, You have exceeded and went from that place of just being common. You're not common today, but you're separated unto the Lord. We can't just start with our behavior. For one thing, notice, all of those instruments that were used in the tabernacle, they were anointed before they were ever used in the tabernacle. They were sanctioned as being holy before they were ever used in that purpose or in that way. That oil, if you weigh, that holy oil touched their lives, made them holy, and they served a purpose and a plan. Amen. Whenever we read in New Testament Scripture and throughout other places of Scripture, the Holy Ghost that you and I have many times is compared or likened to the oil. Many times likened to the oil. And I'd say this, you can have standards without having the Holy Ghost, but you can't be holy without having the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can have standards, you can even have a good code of conduct without the Holy Ghost, but you will not be holy without the Holy Ghost because just like that oil that anointed each of those pieces of furniture and those places in the tabernacle, therefore deemed them those things holy and set apart for the master's use, whenever you receive the baptism of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost in your life, it's like that oil of the Old Testament that's touching you sanctioning you, setting you apart now as being holy for the master's use and the master's purpose. And there'll be things as a result of that that will come about in your life that just go back and underscore and denote then your true set-apart status in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because when I am holy, I'm exclusively set-apart for Him and nothing else. I'm not just a common person. I'm not just a normal Joe. Amen. But when we've been set apart for God, it's for what God wants. And see, that's where everything else flows because God wants these other things in our life. And so when we're set apart for Him, then those things just come naturally because those are desires of our Lord. Those are desires for the one to whom we are set apart by. But what we deal with on a day-to-day basis, day-to-day basis is the Fact of unholiness unholiness we deal with unholiness in our life Uh, things that are not sacred things that are profane if you will Uh, substances that we are held in bondage to unholy things unholy places unholy people Amen. Commonness in sense, just common things. Nothing, nothing that's special to God, but just common things. And whenever you come to the Lord and you start a relationship with God, you are still going to have days you're going to have to deal with the unholy things of life. And the only way that we can have victory over the unholy things in life is by exposing ourselves more to the holy things of life. Amen. Exposing ourselves to the spirit of the Lord. So holiness is not just a behavior. We read in the scripture in the book of Exodus, Old Testament 3. We read of a biblical account of Moses on the backside of the desert. He's tending his father-in-law's sheep while he's back there. And he's done this now for some 40 years. So he's quite familiar with the terrain. He's familiar with the setting. And while he's back there, uh, there is a bush that is burning. But it's not being consumed. That catches the eye of Moses. He approaches and he draws near into that burning bush. The Bible speaks to us in Exodus 3 and 5. And the Bible says this: Draw not nigh thither. Uh, this is the Spirit of the Lord speaking from that bush, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereupon thou standest is holy ground. Now, how in the world did this ground become holy? What made that particular bush different from any other bush? What's so holy about a bush? Let me tell you, I've trimmed a few bushes and they got prickles and stuff on them. There's been a lot of unholiness in some bushes. So what's so holy about this bush? What's so holy about this ground? The simple fact is this, folks, is that the ground and the bush had been inhabited by the presence of, of the lord and when the presence of the lord came down and inhabited that bush and that ground it sanctified it set that apart for the master's use the master's glory and at that point in time it became holy it wasn't the bush per se and it wasn't the ground per se but it was what was inhabiting that bush And what was inhabiting that ground, the presence of the Lord in both of them, that made it holy. For in essence today, Paul McGee is not holy in and of himself. None of us are. But the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, Not just any ghost. Holy is an adjective describing what type of ghost that is, what type of spirit that is. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, amen, that lives inside of me. That's what makes you or I or anybody else in this building holy. That's the reason why we have people frustrated trying to climb to a place or an attribute of holiness without the Holy Ghost or His Spirit. Listen, we can't do that on our own or by ourselves. There's not enough deeds we can do in order to accomplish that. We need God's spirit in us and leading us and guiding and following that spirit and through that realm we become holy. We become holy. Amen. It's his spirit that is within us. Amen. Holiness is not, not a behavior. It's much more than just that. It's about being withdrawn from common use for special Use. Consider some of these things today. You talk about holy. Consider some of these things in the Bible that are spoken of as being holy. The Bible speaks of a holy nation, a holy place, a holy kiss. Amen. Some of you all thought you got that when you got married. A holy kiss, a holy camp, a holy day, a holy name, a holy convocation, a holy habitation, holy garments, a holy city, a holy covenant, holy ground, holy water. A holy calling, a holy crown, a holy anointment, a holy oil, a holy coat, a holy instrument, a holy vessel, a holy ark, a holy offering, a holy heel, a holy angel, a holy promise, a holy chamber, holy scriptures, need I say any more? Amen. All these things that are denoted as being holy, so we can see right away just from the list I shared with you, holiness is more than just dress code. And holiness is more than just behavior because things, people, and places were considered holy as well because of being set apart for the master's use and the master's purpose. Who wouldn't want to be holy? Seriously, folks, it's not like the plague that we need to stay away from. Who would not want to be holy? Amen, that Peter in his book even told us. He said, the Lord said, be ye holy for I am holy. Who wouldn't want to be as He is. Huh? If he is the pattern, if he is the example, who wouldn't want to aspire, amen, to have that in his life? We want every other part of God, don't we? Huh? We don't shun the blessings of God. We don't don't shun the love of God. We don't shun the grace of God and the mercy of God and the miracles of God. We don't feel the feeling that we feel sometimes in the service. I like that, God. No, we don't shun that. Then why would we want to shun the holiness of God? Amen. Amen. Uh, it's all still that, thats the holiness of God, the love, mercy. All that's what makes God God. Why would you want to just divorce yourself from a certain aspect of what makes Him who He is? It's not a a la carte thing where you can get mashed potatoes and you get a little green beans and if, well, there's you know artichokes over there. but don't care for that. No, no, no. This is a made to over a made to order meal right here, folks. Amen. It's all a part of the package. Amen. This holy anointing oil this holy presence of God holy angels all that set apart for the master's use and for his glory amen if, if they had used if they had used the holy anointing oil that had a certain composition certain mixture and ingredients if they had used that for anything else it would just have become common oil they'd used it for anything else outside of his purpose and plan it would just become common oil like every other oil that was made but it was set apart for his use set aside only for his service to anoint people places and things amen in other words God is looking for a people set apart he don't want them to be common in other words he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily want them to look at and talk just like every other individual on in the world Because if you come to know God and you still act just like everybody else acts, talk like everybody else talks, your appearance is in harmony with just everybody else, you're still common. But the oil, his holiness, is to set you apart, to cause a differential, withdrawn from common use, set apart unto God that's the reason, and I've shared with you before Old Testament Scripture, uh, Moses and them was speaking to the people and the children of Israel. He just basically said, he said, what I want you all to do, I, I don't want you, I don't want you appearing like the Egyptians appear or like the Ammonites appear. Why? Because they were... God's people, His holy, sacred, set-apart people. In other words, I don't want to assume, because there is an attitude today, you know, in order to be successful as a church, you got to be able to blend in with the world. Oh, somebody hearing me this morning. If you really want to be able to reach out, then you got to be able to go toe-to-toe and be able to have, you know, some relationship things there that there is no difference, no, you know, in order to reach them, you almost got to become them. Oh, nobody helping me today. Hallelujah. I don't believe that's the case. Amen. They, 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 they say, at least from what my understanding, is, I'm looking for something different. I'm looking for something different well honey if the church is not going to be any different than the world and we're just going to be a bunch of commoners like they've already been exposed to what's going to make them want to come to 11, 1121 Cedar Street when that's not any different than something I've already been exposed to no you know what they're looking for they're looking for a place where God's presence his holiness has sanctioned people and I'm not just talking about dress I'm just saying a place where He sanctioned people for use and for purpose. Hey, that's different. That's not like everything else. There's something peculiar. There's something different about that. That will draw people to the house of the Lord. That will draw people to a holy God. The holiness of God will. Moses drawn by the bush. There's all kinds of bushes out there. All kinds of bushes and ground out there. But the God of holiness that resided in that bush and ground, Moses, that caught his attention. He drew near to that. Why? Not because it was another bush, but because there's something different about that bush. There's something going on there. <laughs> Hallelujah, I don't want to be the, the, the church that's another church on the corner. Be, there's something different about that. There's something going on there. I'm drawn to that. It's the holiness. It's the holiness of God. Amen. In the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament is written in, the word holiness is Kodesh. Kodesh means to be sanctified, which basically means to be set apart. It means to be godly, pure, and to set aside. In the Greek language, holiness in the New Testament scripture, which in the New Testament was written in Greek. Holiness means wholeness. That's W-H-O-L-E. N-E-S-S, wholeness or completeness. <laughs> Amen. I like that, New Testament, wholeness or completeness. Because the New Testament writer even told us that we are complete in Him. Mm-hmm. We are complete in Him. And a large portion of that is due to the holiness of God. Amen. We're complete in Him. Most important rule about holiness though is this is that we seek out God's opinion on the subject matter rather than our own Amen people haven't even given us a chance sometimes because they formulated opinions about being a holiness church honestly being a holiness church because people have certain again preconceived ideas and notions about a holiness church But if they were to understand what I'm just talking to you about this morning, we're set apart for his use and his purpose in that basic definition. We're not for common use but separated for God. I think there would be perhaps a little bit different idea. Inherently inside of man, inside of us all, inside of society ever since it began, has been a desire to see God. People have this notion in their life to worship. It can't be damned up. They will worship something or someone. And so there's some type of inherent desire inside of mankind to see God. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, and verse number 35, it says to turn aside the right of a man before the face of the most holy God to subvert a man in his cause. The Lord approveth not. In other words, it just simply means this. To take away a man's right to the face of God is against God entirely. The Lord resents that. He resists that. He wants people to be able to have access to Him as it were. Amen. And inside of every human being, they want to somehow experience or to see, if you will, God. Now, I understand Scripture says no man has seen God at no time, so on and so forth. But I'm saying to experience or have some type of inroad into God. We see throughout scriptures, different people throughout God's word has made that known in a verbal example. Some have said, "If I could just see His face." Some of the great. Uh, Old Testament people have spoken of Jacob is wrestling as it were with God in some type of a manifested angelic form wrestling with God at the river of the brook Jabbok that he might know his name and to know his name was to see us he said I've seen the face of God and he's, he's, but he was wrestling with the angel of course manifested in some way a man that he could see but he said I've I seen the face of God he was desiring and struggling in that struggle re- re- ready to go to whatever lengths he need just to experience God. Moses talked to God and and asked God if he could see him and and God said, Moses, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock here and I'll allow my hinder parts to go by and I'll cover you up that you might just even see my hinder parts. Moses had a desire to experience God. Job even cried out. He said, I looked on my left hand. He wasn't there. On my right hand, in front of me, behind me. He said, if I just might find him, if I just might come to where his seat was. Job was wanting some type of experience with God. Amen. he want an experience with God. And so man is seeking for an experience with God or seeking the face of God. Amen. And this is constantly the story. But, but but, how can I see the face of God? How can I see the face of God? And If no man has seen Him at any time, no man's experienced Him in that way, how can I see the face of God? I mean, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve even had Him walking down in the cool of the day and they had a certain level of experience with God Moses seemed to come pretty close to that experience but because after his relationship and encounter with God he comes down from the mountain his face is all aglow and some were frightened to come even near him but if you'll realize that God is as we say, holiness is not so much an attribute of God as it is God just like we talk about love love isn't so much an attribute of God as it is the Bible says God is love when we, talk, when we talk about all those things, mercy, grace, all that, it's not so much attributes of Him as that is Him. He is mercy. He is grace. He is holiness. And so we've already, in these series of lessons, we talk about repentance, water baptism. Uh, we talk about spirit baptism. We had a great time talking about the Godhead last week and tremendous things. And all these are great and wonderful. But we need to get to a place that we also come to the holiness of God in its purest purest form and that is holiness is God so I do want to be a holy people I want to practice that because to be holy is to be like him is to be like God the Bible says God is holy and there is a holiness about him that is true that is correct and when we talk about holiness there's two words that come to mind and that is holiness is truth and holiness is righteousness holiness is truth and holiness is righteousness holiness is truth because there is no lie in it there's no lie in it It's absolute, it's pure, it's undefiled. Holiness must be pure, all right? And holiness is righteousness, amen? Because righteousness is the intent on having truth and being truthful to all things. So righteousness and truth play a big role in the meaning of holiness. The Bible says... In Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 3, uh, Isaiah visits there the throne of God. He said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly, and cried, and one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his. Glory, holy, holy. I know we have spoke about this some um, whenever we talked about it in the book of Revelation uh, on Wednesday nights. But again, if I just may underscore because not everybody's here on Wednesday nights that, you know, those seraphims could have cried grace, grace, grace. Just as well as mercy, mercy, mercy. Love, love, love. But the things that they were crying there in the throne room was holy, holy, holy. Holiness is synonymous with infinity, if you will, when the infinite God that we have. His omnipresence, His ability of being everywhere. We spoke about a little bit last week, His omnipotence, His, His all-power of Revelations 1, eight. He's the almighty God, the almighty God. His omniscience, His all-knowing, knowing what is going on seemingly everywhere. When Isaiah saw God high and lifted up on his throne he seen all the power if you will, all of that all knowing God. He seen all that all presence, that all presence of that almighty God that was upon the throne as the angels were crying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And Isaiah said I saw the Lord, I saw the Lord. This is what man, uh, throughout the period of time, has been desiring to see the Lord. And Isaiah says, uh, as they're crying, "Holy, holy, holy," he says, in that in that context, I saw the Lord. In other words, your picture of the Lord will never be any clearer or more revelatory than you see in God in His holiness. Seeing God in his holiness, it captured his attention. Here's unlimited power. Here's unlimited knowledge. Here's unlimited presence. And it will, it will, it will take holiness for revival in our world today amen it will take holiness for revival in our world today amen we need that all knowing all powerful all present God and it's going to take his holiness in order to reveal that amen to us today amen I don't want to have a a doubt about God's ability amen that's part of his holiness he can do anything he's all powerful amen I don't want to think that I have a problem that he cannot deal with Because that's a part of God's holiness. Amen. His power. I I, I don't want to think that there's a situation in my life that can hinder my walk with God and that it's just going to trip me up and make me unable or just render me uh, disabled. No, no, no. I want to get a picture of His holiness. Because when I get a picture of His holiness, there's nothing too hard for God. When I get a picture of His holiness, there's nothing that crops up in my life that's going to disable my relationship with God. When I get a picture of His holiness, it puts all things in perspective. I know now, we look through a glass darkly, but the Bible says then we shall see face to face. So I know we have a limited view, but whenever you break down God's holiness, it describes all of his power, all of his presence, amen, and all of his knowledge wrapped up in one. We, we spend our lives up on this earth in somewhat of a earthly pursuit. Uh, we repent, we get baptized in Jesus' name, we're born again to the spirit of God and we have to deal then with the unholiness in our own lives and we deal with the unholiness or the ungodliness we deal with sin and just when we think we're getting just beyond one situation just when we think we're just getting past that one there's another one waiting on the back side of that for us to contend with and then there's all the mess and confusion of our past life that we've drugged like baggage on our heels into the presence of the Lord and we're dealing with our past lives and and the cluttering of our past lives that now seems to be cluttering our present lives and we think man how in the world can I live victoriously while I'm dealing with all the unholiness how can I live victoriously with all my past that's right behind me I tell you what we need folks we need a touch of God we need a touch of his holiness that's the reason why we try to teach and preach people that come to the Lord, get, get baptized in Jesus' name, fill with the Holy Ghost, we say you need to just keep some spiritual disciplines in your life. You need to have the word of God being ingested in your life. You need to have a time of prayer in your life. Why? Why, pastor? Why do you say all that stuff? Because from this day forward, you're going to be dealing with some unholiness in your life. There's going to be some mess from your past that's going to be a try to brought up in your face. How are you going to survive that? You need a touch of God in your life and you'll get that through prayer, you'll get that through fasting, you'll get that through Bible reading you need a touch of God in your life why? because when you get a touch of God you get a touch of his holiness in your life all that power, all that knowledge all that presence just coming down and storming your life, you can make it you can make it amen It's more powerful greater than anything we've ever had I need a touch of God in my life amen there's really only one thing in this world that's sacred Amen. Only one thing that is really sacred to God. Really. We talk about and we, we respect the idea of Jerusalem and Jewish people and even the church building. We reverence that. Our Bibles, we reference, you know, those things because they're set aside for the Master's use and the Master's purpose. But in reality, there's only one true thing that is absolutely sacred to God in this life, and that is the souls of men and women that are set before me. The souls of men and women that are set before me. Because it was for that purpose that God humbled himself to this world and took on the form of humanity and gave his life. It wasn't for a building per se. It wasn't for Jerusalem per se. But it was for the souls of men and women. Amen. Souls of men and women that God wanted to say, that God wanted to put his stamp of holiness upon. Amen. And so our earthly pursuit is just going through this life trying to get through another day but our heavenly pursuit is in becoming holy and I do say becoming because so I don't think that you just ever just reach that place and it's a destination you hit and it's over but I believe it's a constant process amen to the old song used to say to be like Jesus to be like him amen it's it's like a finish line that's ever before us but we're not discouraging constantly trying to reach it just to be like the Lord we know in Hebrews 12 14 that our Bible said that without holiness follow all men with peace and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord amen holiness may be somewhat of an earthly pursuit but it's an earthly pursuit that's trying to get us in alignment for a heavenly encounter amen trying to get us in this alignment for a heavenly encounter we got to be hungry to see God hungry to experience God nothing else nothing else matters Nothing else matters. In Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24, the Bible says, speaking of this uh, scenario that took place I alluded to earlier, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled an angel with him until the breaking of day. And the Bible says, and the angel said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And this angel said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince Thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob says in verse 29, I've seen, the, seen God face to face and my life is preserved. In other words, Jacob had such a hunger to experience God or be with God that at that point in time of his life, sleep didn't matter. He'd already seen his family over the brook. Sleep didn't matter right now. That, that, that was not important. Although he was wrestling and maybe even becoming physically exhausted, that didn't matter the exhaustion of his, of his physical body, that didn't matter why Brother DePriese, he was on a heavenly pursuit he was here he was, something was staged just right now that he was about ready to experience something although it was making him physically exhausted maybe he was already tired, he wanted to experience this experience with the Lord in so much, he has this experience with God at the river Jabbok, he says I sing God face to face, my life is preserved his name was changed at that point in time, he's no longer Jacob no longer the supplanter, all right, the deceiver that his name Jacob denotes. No, now he's Israel. He's Israel. He's had a, he has power with God and with man. And he has prevailed. And with this encounter, three chapters later in Genesis 35, the Bible says, verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel, the house of God, the house of bread, and dwell there and make there an altar unto God verse 2 then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean change your garments let us arise and go up to Bethel and I will make there an altar unto God and they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand all their earrings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem Jacob was so hungry for God for that encounter, amen, with God, exposed to the holiness of God, the all power, the all knowledge, amen, in that moment. Three chapters later, this God that had changed His name put a stamp or a handprint upon His life. Could I even say that in a moment set Him apart for His use and His purpose. Now that man that has been set apart for God's use and purpose because of God's encounter with him and this man designed to have that encounter three chapters later that God that he is set apart to says Jacob this is what I'd like for you to do because you've been set apart now for my purpose and my use and now I want to start to relay what some of my purpose is for you and God says to him go to Bethel go to the house of God now that's a good thing that's a great thing after encounter of God I hope that one of the things that God would implant in our spirits we would get to God's house amen the house of bread get to God's house and he'd make an altar there we go god's starting to reveal some of his purpose i want you to go to my house i want you to have an altar amen that you meet with me there i want you to do that and so jacob says man i'm getting my household in order we're going to get everybody together amen and the bible says they all started to put away some strange gods they started to gather up some things that had taken listen to me very carefully they began to gather up some things that had taken their attention away from god amen and some of these things that have been taking their attention away from God, they're ready to gather together and put aside because now we're set aside for a purpose and use that is of the Master. He made them purify their possessions by purging them out of all the idolatry that they were involved with, change their garments. Amen. Notice, notice. I want you to notice something very special. Without Jacob even pointing or saying anything, according to Scripture, Without Jacob even pointing or saying anything. He's talking about, you know, the strange gods, be clean, change your garments, let us arise, go up to Bethel. Without all that, the Bible says they gave, look at verse 4. They gave them to Jacob all the strange gods. He asked of that. And even the earrings. Now you got to know something. In Old Testament custom and times, earrings many times had little demigods on them. All right? And so some of their idolatry was even what they wore in their ears. Because it had a representation of the God that they served in the door. But without Jacob saying anything, they're already rendering over all of these things and gathering up all these things and leaving behind anything that may cripple their pursuit of God. See, it's good to have checkpoints in our life, even after we receive the Spirit of the Lord, it's good to have checkpoints in our life that we stop and we evaluate things that may be actively in our life that could be hindering our pursuit of God because I guarantee you in this thing called Christian living there's going to be some things that's going to sneak in Bible speaks in New Testament stuff that creeps in unawares amen and we just kind of just kind of absorb that into our system without even thinking or knowing. And it seems very, very benign. It's though it's nothing hurtful. But that's the reason why we gotta stop every once in a while, take a little self-inventory here. Is this hindering my pursuit of God? Is this making me just as a common man? Because I'm not. I've been set aside for his use for his purpose and for his glory and so if it's hindering my pursuit because that's where my heart is my heart is pursuing God he's put his stamp of holiness and approval upon my life my spirit I got in my life it's if it's hindering my pursuit of God then maybe I need to gather that up we've done that around here collectively as a church sometime we've had services where we've had people bring stuff that may be hindering their pursuit of God we've burned them we've thrown them away why? Amen? because I want to be holy because he's holy I'm not just a common man or a common and woman I've been set apart for the master's use and the master's glory back to Isaiah chapter number 6 look at it and verse 1 after Isaiah said I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up look at verse number 5 now this encounter with God the holiness of God that stamp upon his life then said I woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips we need God encounters because God encounters will reveal the things that are not up to snuff concerning God. hmm We do. We need God. God encounters challenges our life with God. If I never have a God encounter, there's nothing there that causes any conviction in my life over things that maybe I should be convicted about. Amen. Amen. I need I need service. I need times coming in hearing the preaching of the word. I need that. And it's okay if I've been in church for twenty years and conviction falls on me. I need that. What is that? Man, that's just taking that's just taking that, that metal through the fire one more time and let those impurities rise one more time. And you know, sometimes things just it If it goes through the fire once, you're going to get a certain amount of impurities, but the more times you put it through the fire, there's going to be more impurities that surface. So Lord, let me have those encounters because I know there's still some things in my life that the dross, whatever you wish to call it, needs to be scraped off. Isaiah saw the Lord. He had a repented heart. He gets in the presence of God. God's high and lifted up. Man, it's going. It's awesome and all of a sudden he realizes who he is and he realizes where he's at and he knows, man, that's hindering my heavenly pursuit woe is me we even see in Daniel 9 and I'm hastening to a close but in Daniel 9 verses 3-4 through 4, the Bible says and I set my face into the Lord God Daniel says to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes and I prayed unto the Lord my God and made confessions Daniel says I prayed with fasting and sackcloth and ashes and confession why Daniel why are you doing this he says I'm on a heavenly pursuit I'm on a heavenly pursuit. I need these God encounters. I need the holiness of God to address the unholiness in my life and bring me to a place of where He is. I understand. Scripture says that whenever Rapture Day takes place and we go, we shall be like Him. And that's when in entirely in totality we will be like Him on that day. But that by no means should hinder us from attempting and trying to get there. You hear me? Well, we'll just wait to rapture, praise gone, where on, and then it'll happen. No, 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 no. I'm striving right now. And although I will not become identical to him until that day, it shouldn't keep me from striving to get there now. Amen. Made in his image and his likeness from the very beginning in Genesis. Only for sin to come down and mar that. Mar that. And then through repentance and baptism, there's the reshaping of taking place again, of trying to get back to the garden mentality of being in His image and likeness. That's what we're trying to do in this life by His Spirit working with us and through us. Amen. Working through us. This holiness is, is basically our desire to be like Him. I want to walk like Him, talk like Him, love like Him. I want to live my life like Him. If you'll stand with me today. But I can't do any of that unless I have an encounter with him. I must have an encounter with him. And so I I plainly say this morning that there's anybody here, man, Brother McGee, I've I've been trying to behave right and dress right and do all this stuff right, and you don't have the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, stop pursuing that and try to pursue God. Amen. Pursue the Lord. Because if you pursue him, then these other things will come about as a result of it. It will all take place in his time. Amen, in his time. Hallelujah. Next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.